But the heart of the matter of the coronation of King Charles III, like the grain of sand at the heart of a pearl, was a promise. The King's promise to us, the people. Charles promised and swore to govern the people of this United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland according to our laws and customs. The law of this land of ours is that we are free people. We don't stand in line to receive our freedom bit by bit, like breadcrumbs dropped from on high. On the contrary, we are born free. I'm sure that if President Trump was the president today, there would not be any war in the Ukraine or in Europe. Mr. President, come back, make America great again, bring us peace again. Resistance chicks, <clears throat> we're your hosts, Leah and Michelle, the Leah that's not paying attention and looking at the camera because she has so much to get ready for today's show. Um, <clears throat> I am very excited about today's show. Now, many of you, or several of you, have an issue with the royal family, and I get that. Um, I think that you are going to enjoy today's show because, you know, Patriot Gallery, our mama, has been doing some blogs and making some posts saying, I am Charles. What does she mean by that? This past weekend, we had the opportunity to see something that you don't see every day. And that is a coronation of a royal. Now, regardless of how you feel about the royal family or King Charles or, I don't care, Queen Elizabeth, you know, there's, you know, some pedophilia going on in the family or this, that, and the other. What Patriot Gallery has done is taken a completely sidestep view of this. We've been doing a program every Wednesday for the past 11 weeks, I think it's been now. Um... And it's called Revelation Red Pill Wednesday. The theme of that, really, is that we reign as kings and priests right now. You are royal. You are royalty. So when we look at the pomp and circumstance of everything for today, that happened yesterday, that we're going we're gonna to dig into, this is the way that we want you guys to receive this. And we will talk about the um, history of you know, the coronation and why it exists. I've got something from one of our uh, very loyal viewers, Britt Baza. You guys know him in the chat. I'm going to read from him. But I want you to take the stance that the reason why we're watching this is it gives us a glimpse into royalty. And that's something that we as Christians, we don't understand. You can say that you're a king and a priest. You can say that you reign as a king, but you really don't know what that means. And so today, that's kind of one of the reasons why we wanted to bring this to you. Not just because we wouldn't be covering it for World News, because we would. But because of the blogs that Patriot Gallery has been doing this week, it really sets the stage for what it means to be a king. 
and the royalty. God is the king. There is no king but Jesus. And he is king of kings. Who's that? When we say that scripture, we think king of kings, like king of King Charles. That's not what he means. King of kings. That's us. He's the king of these kings and priests that he has made. So I want to read this from uh, Barry, or I'll have Leah read it. Go ahead. Here. Um, no, you get bored when somebody else no. reads. No, I don't. Yes, no. you do. I do not. Yes, you do. No. Yes, she does. All right. Hi, Leah and Michelle. I've just read Leah's latest post. It's probably Patriot Galleries on Facebook about the coronation of King Charles III. Now, forgive me that I keep saying the th I forget to keep saying the third. It's just going to be King Charles, man. You're lucky that you're getting the king. Um, so forgive me. I tried to put it in a couple of spots in today's show, but it's, it's just King Charles, man. I thought I would send you this to explain what exactly the coronation is. A royal coronation is actually a promise. I want to make sure I've got the chat up here in case there's anything going wrong so I can see that. It's actually a promise to the people in front of God and the oath undertaken is so that he can reign with God's blessing to do the right thing under the law of God. Now, what what's very interesting about this is I kind of, I do take this oath very solemnly that Charles has done. And I'm kind of like, you know, it's kind of like taking communion. Don't take it unadvisedly because if you're going to do it wrong, the punishment for you is going to even be, be even worse. And so I actually am praying for Charles's soul after he's taken this oath, but that's beside the point. This, this particular coronation of a British monarch is steeped in both religious oath and 956 years of the history of and birth of a nation, that nation being England. In 1066, William the Conqueror invaded England from France. In the ensuing war, he killed King Harold at the Battle of Hastag, Hastings. William the Conqueror then took over these islands over the period of his life, hence why we have the world's largest number of castles in, Britain, in the British Isles. They were all built by William the Conqueror. But that's when our history as the nation of England came about, hence the coronation dating back to 1066. In 1215, the barons, who were the funeral lords installed by William the Conqueror, forced the king of the king the, the then King John to sign over some of his power as king. Uh, thus curbing his rights to absolute power of rule over the barons who were the funeral lords over the serfs and peasants, working people of England. King John was a, as a useless king in battles and pretty much lost every battle he fought, so the barons forced him to sign the Magna Carta, Carta in 1215 to stop him taking excessive taxes to lose wars with. This is the first part of the English uh, written constitutional documentation effectively giving rights to the people jump forward a few hundred years and then we have king henry the eighth who fell out with rome and got excommunicated from the catholic religion so made his own christian-based religion which now rivals the catholic religion for size even the usa has the protestant religion as its largest christian religion jump forward another few hundred years to the 1640s we then had a king named king called Charles I, who decided to try the same tricks as King John and excessively tax the people to fight wars he wasn't any good and lost. Hence the rise of Oliver Cromwell and his model army with the ensuing civil war that culminated in King Charles I being beheaded in 1649 and England becoming a republic. After a few years of being a republic, the parliamentarians who were a provisional government, became dictators, so Cromwell marched on par Parliament with the army and seized power of this nation, of which he ran as Lord Protector until his death in 1658. Parliament then went to King James VII and made him king again because they decided that England needed a monarchy, but in 1688, James VII was posing a threat to the Protestant Christians and to the Protestant religion, effectively favoring the Catholic religion. So Parliament went to William of Orange from the Netherlands to get him to depose his father-in-law as King of England, 
with his wife, Mary, in May of 1688, after the British Declaration of Rights was signed by both King William of Orange and Queen Mary, who were Protestant, and they became King and Queen of England. But again, their powers were curved a bit uh, more so that England didn't become a principality of the Netherlands. A year later, in 1689, the British Bill of Rights became an act of Parliament, thus bringing both the British Declaration of Rights of 1688 and the British Bill of Rights in 1689 into law. But it also curbed parliamentary representatives from altering these two documents without the King and the people's consent the, this, uh, thus, these two Bill of Rights still stand in common law, which can't be touched by Parliament, hence why the UK has to retain a constitutional monarchy as our system of government. Now, what I'm going to keep reading here, but what you're getting at is the king is supposed to represent the people, okay, and protect the people from the government. Do you understand how this is supposed to work? Now, whether it actually works <clears throat> out well or not, um, that's what it's supposed to be. But entwined in all the political law as the coronation ceremony held as every monarch takes the reins of the British monarchy in which the king undertakes to rule over the realm and to look out for the British people's religious beliefs and legal well-being before the eyes of God and in front of the people of the UK, its realms, territories, and the commonwealth and nations around the world. This is why we have this ceremony to effectively reinforce our freedoms and faith. So effectively, a coronation isn't about a massive display of wealth or whether the royals are a wasted uh, waste of outdated, out-of-touch elites. They are effectively the guardians of a nation's entire freedom, identity, history, and religious beliefs dating back 956 years. That is um, a really good way to put that. Well said. So well said, Barry. Barry and, you don't um, have to wear your hat. My hat is falling Mine's off. fitting just fine, so I'll keep mine on. Um, if you would bring up Mom's blog here, part three, she, you know, I understand that it's going to take us a minute as Americans to see God in this coronation. Now, do I mean that God is in coronating King Charles? No. no. I mean that the, the ceremony itself has... Um, a lot of overturns to the Bible. Overtones. And overturns, yeah, overtones to the Bible. And uh, my mom put together a really cool blog. We have an uncle and a great-great-uncle, or yeah, our great-great-uncle, and his name was Charles. And my mom got this word from God to take on his name, I am Charles. And this was a while ago. And she looked it up, and Charles means Freeman. And so when she put this blog together, this was a word from God, and she didn't know that King Charles was going to be crowned this week. And so she put together this blog, and if you go to this part of it, um, she explains the different parts of this ceremony and how can it reflect us as Christians. It's down there pretty good. Um, the coronet follows the form laid down by King Charles II in 1677, by having just one arch, he wore many different crowns, I guess, during the ceremony. One arch rather than the traditional two arches or four half arches of the British monarch's crowns to show the Prince of Wales is inferior to the monarch but outranks the other royal princesses, princes and, and dukes. Though based on this traditional design, the cornet was a futurist look that was popular in the 1960s. In the center of the arch and I think this must have been what he wore before because he's king now and he's he wears this you know big one I don't know it looks like the one he had the, on oh is it yeah this it looks very similar the prince of Wales, but then they put a must put a different one on him because he put on the that one that what well, looks like that with the velvet that has this was velvet in it no no he put on a different one that looks like okay. that 
um, when they crowned him. Orbiting the mond of the 13 square diamond set in the platinum arranged as the constellation of Scorpio, the Prince of Wales star design within the 24 karat texture gold base is a purple velvet cap lined with ermine. Around the base are four crosses and four abstracts fleur-de-lis in 22 karat gold. This is... I will help you. I don't know what's wrong with my ear thing. Hang on. Sparsely decorated with diamonds and emeralds. The diamonds on the base are intended to represent, this is interesting, the seven deadly sins and the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wow. In total, the cornet has 95 diamonds and 12 emeralds, white and green being the national colors of Wales. The heavy and priest-like, so when you see the robes put on, and you can scroll down. These are priest-like golden robes that King uh, Charles uh, would wear, and he did wear during his coronation. During the service, the king put on a layer upon layer of glittering vestments. It's very interesting. So he gets anointed with oil from Jerusalem. They do not live stream this because they put oil on his chest too. Oh, wow. So they put oil on his chest, on his head, and on his hands. And it's supposed to represent Christianity. Could you imagine... If the I just, president had to go through this? Yeah. This is a very Christian ceremony. And everybody's like, America's too Christian. Well, do I'd love for us to anoint our presidents with the oil from Jerusalem. And he puts on a, a first layer of a sleeveless, um, just the first layer of a sleeveless uh, shirt. And it's very similar to what the priests would have worn. It keeps your, you know, your body oils away from Again, the, to the, remind the you guys... As we're going through this, because I get the disdain for the royal family, mm -hmm. and I even get the disdain for the monarchy in and of itself, but I think that there's stuff that's missing that you're not quite understanding. Like, it just doesn't make sense. We don't believe in the divine right of king and all of that. Like, John Locke didn't either. But there is there is something to this, the imagery of what we're looking at here, this incredibly Christian ceremony. Mm -hmm. That again, to remind you, we are kings and priests, and we don't ever get to see anything that is remotely related to royalty. Yeah. We just don't. And so this, I think we should take this as the best um, example for us to go, wait, what is royalty What really? is it that I am a what king What is of? it How that is I, I am? am a king? I am a king. Yeah. I am Charles. That's the word that Patriot Gallery got. I am Charles. Queen crowned in a ceremony dating back almost a thousand years. It was quite the celebration that rain did not dampen. Our own Jonathan Lee was among those to brave the London weather to experience the moment on a day to remember. If King Charles ordered rain for his reign, he thoroughly got it. Here on the King's Road in London, the people certainly have come together. This is one of the spiritual homes of British culture, famous for the 60s, the 70s, the Beatles, and of course, kings themselves. They've gathered together and they're thoroughly enjoying it, wet or not. Once a private road for the monarch, it was closed once again, this time for a street party as modern Britain reconnected with a thousand-year-old tradition, both sacred and sovereign. To the king! The sun chairs were empty. It was less about big screens and more about big memories, food and wine. Can I ask for this coronation what's selling well? 
What are people eating? Um, the chocolate tarts, we are keto, so they're all gluten-free, sugar-free, chocolate tarts. You can't have sugar-free on Coronation Day. But if it's tasty, you can have it. <laughs> what are people drinking? A lot of British uh, champagne, actually. Yeah. yeah. There were Chelsea pensioners and a cavalcade of Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. Some drenched, some sniffling, some treated like right royal pampered princesses. What do you think about the big day? It's amazing, we're all here to celebrate, yeah. happy, prepared. These Mad Hatters made a mark. For those working, it was quite literally saturation coverage in the media centre. While on the train network, King Charles was warning people to watch their footing. Even cold and wet as everyone was, none seemed to complain. For centuries, Britons have battled over who truly held the power. Was it the King or his Parliament? With that long ago decided, his subjects are now content to get on and party. As for whether Charles's reign will be streets ahead of the others or more middle of So I get the celebration of it all, and I'm not yeah. going to begrudge the celebration of it. Today, yeah. But a little bit of it feels um, a little bit sacrilegious, some of it. I don't know. It's your nation. You're allowed to celebrate it. And I want you guys to understand something for our American viewers. Um, American democracy, whatever you want to call it, um, American, our constitutional republic, our founding fathers got the ideas that they got from Great Britain. The Britons were constantly trying to enact self-rule. Yeah. No one had ever had a representative government in history. And over time, with between the British common law, the, the rights for the people, they had trial by jury. They had, um, so there's a, there's a bunch, you guys can put it in the chat, that we took from the British common law, that we took their, William Blackstone, Sir Edward Coate, these are jurists, these are jury, these are, um, I'm gonna call them jurists, they're judges. And they wrote laws that were very fair. They enact, I wouldn't say they wrote laws, they wrote commentary on law that were very fair. So with your trial by jury, you know, William Penn was brought up in a trial by jury for worshiping God and in a different way than was allowed. And the judge at sitting on, the, on, on that case tried to strong arm the jury into making them guilty. And there's actually a little plaque where it says, here, stand, here the jury stood against the judge. Mm. And that is the essence of Great Britain. They were an empire that grew very big and very strong during a time when every single nation was conquering another nation. Okay. Um, but they learned. They, were, they abolished slavery 100 years before America did. They're a country that is steeped in tradition, steeped in having this succession of kings. John Locke was a British citizen who helped William and Mary, who were definitely royals of the people, ascend to the throne. Again, nobody could imagine a government without a monarchy. And so he wrote a treatise against the divine right of kings. And the Amer America did not overthrow Great Britain because they were a colony 
with a monarchy. <clears throat> they over they they threw off the reins of Great Britain because the monarchy was not allowing the same freedom in the colonies or the liberty that was allowed in Great Britain. You see, they had taxation without representation. There was nobody represented from America in Parliament. Okay, and so understanding that monarchies in and of themselves are not necessarily endowed with evil because we've had them since the beginning of time. Every country is run by a king, right? And we take for granted because we have a very short-sighted view of history that, oh, everybody should be a constitutional republic. Okay, well, our, when our founding fathers were trying to form the government, they literally said, what do we do now? Because <laughs> there was no, they literally said, there's no blueprint for this. Right. So they they went to the the law books, basically, of Great Britain and, and pulled out the best. Right. America is the best of what Great Britain put forth. And so I wanted you to listen to Neil Oliver is now, I what I think is that as Americans took the best of what was British common law, British law, British rights, British rights of the people. And here's the thing. There were many, many common common law rights that the citizens had that were take were, would be taken back. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, when COVID hit, a lot of people were like re appealing to the common law, appealing to this, this law where you don't have a right to lock people down. You don't have a right under our own laws to force vaccinations. Okay. You don't have a right to do this. Just like in America, you can have rights, you can have liberty that come from God, but if the government tries to take that away, they become a tyrant. Right. Doesn't mean that the liberties aren't still there. And uh, so anyways, I want you to guys to listen to Neil Oliver talk about being a freeman bring um what does it mean for for charles to take this oath and will he uphold his oath to be a defender of the faith and defender of the of the the rights of the people we're invited to witness something of profound importance a promise made an oath taken for those who care about the truth an oath is no small thing an oath is a solemn appeal to god asking him to bear witness to a promise but more revealing by far is how a person making a promise or taking an oath actually behaves, what they do. A person might promise in a court of law to tell the truth, on a battlefield to be steadfast to comrades until death, but the proof of the pudding lies in how the taker of the oath lives their life. It would have been easy to be distracted today by pageantry and pomp, all the music and marching. That's the name of the game on a day like today, razzle dazzle em. But the heart of the matter of the coronation of King Charles III, like the grain of sand at the heart of a pearl, was a promise. The King's promise to us, the people. Charles promised and swore to govern the people of this United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland according to our laws and customs. The laws and customs in question are not the endless pages of legislation drafted and enacted by here today and gone tomorrow politicians in Parliament, but the law, the law that is old beyond the reach of memory which is to say the immutable law of the land, which is the common law that by centuries, if not by millennia, predates any legislation drafted and enacted by any parliament in Westminster. The law of this land of ours is that we are free people. We don't stand in line to receive our freedom bit by bit, like breadcrumbs dropped from on high. On the contrary, we are born free, and woe should betide any that seeks to compromise that freedom. The intention of the common law is that we govern ourselves with minimal interference from the state, knowing as we do right from wrong. In an ideal world, we tell the state what to do, enabling them as so many administrators. 
We appoint as our most esteemed servants those we trust to preserve our freedom. Implicit in our employment of them as servants is the understanding that if they fail, we reserve the right to be done with them and find others better suited. If you doubt me, see, for example, the declaration of our broth of 1320, that most defiant assertion of freedom, the spirit of which went around the world and back again. Here in Britain, we are invited to trust that we live in what's called a constitutional monarchy. In our constitutional monarchy, the monarch is our most senior public servant. Each of us is a sovereign individual. Our monarch is also sovereign, the first sovereign among equals, and he is our servant. In 1688, on the accession of King William of Orange, the Parliament of the day had the treasonous temerity to claim that it, the Parliament, was sovereign. Ever since then, some parliamentarians have repeated the lie that Parliament is sovereign. In fact, our Constitution makes plain only the people are sovereign. The Constitution and the natural law that long predates the Constitution puts sovereignty utterly beyond the reach of Parliament for all time. Parliament can no more attain sovereignty than touch the face of God. Before and after 1688, and then the Bill of Rights of 1689, one parliament after another sought to claim sovereignty over the people. All have lied by so doing. I've said it before and I'll say it again without fear of contradiction and because it must be repeated until enough people realise the significance. It is only and always the people that are sovereign. Today we watched and listened as King Charles III promised to govern according to the law, which is to say our ancient common law. He thereby promised to defend our sovereignty as individuals and the sovereignty of this Britain. Implicit in his promise before God is that he understands and believes that Britain is sovereign and that he as monarch will keep it so, untroubled by the interference of outsiders great and small. Not to put too fine a point on it, by outsiders great and small I mean the usual suspects. The WEF, the UN, the WHO and the rest of the international acronym gangs. Those are unelected, unaccountable bodies, all seeking a hand in ruling over this country and all countries. Under the terms of an amended pandemic preparedness treaty, the WHO would award itself jaw-dropping powers. It proposes to empower itself to declare pandemics or states of climate emergency, and then to lock us down and impose whatever other restrictions on our freedom that they see fit. This is what I mean about profound importance. By his coronation oath, King Charles swore to maintain the integrity of Britain and to protect that integrity against any external entity. He promised that we would remain free. So far so sovereign, but all of this begs a question. Are we a sovereign people or not? Are we still an independent entity with meaningful borders and supported by the commitment of our government to maintain the independence and sovereignty that our monarch swore to defend this afternoon? I ask this question because Considering what's been going on in recent years, a person would be forgiven for doubting that nation-states, in the West at least, are still a thing. Today of all days, Coronation Day, it seems appropriate to think about all this. If we're free people of the sort King Charles just swore to defend according to our law, if there are any nation-states in the West, why did we so recently listen to that Charles, then Prince of Wales and heir to the throne, talk about how we should build back better? In the same days and weeks that the Prince of Wales talked about the need to build back better, so did one Western leader after another. If this is a world of independent sovereign states, how on earth did it come to pass that they all apparently had the same thought, called for the same things at exactly the same time, as though they were in lockstep and reading from the same script? And if there was a script for the leaders of the West, who wrote it? Build back better, a narrow window of opportunity, the Great Reset. 
How come so many leaders of allegedly sovereign nations spoke the same words at the same time? King Charles, when he was Prince of Wales, stood shoulder to shoulder with those calling for the Great Reset, Build Back Better. He has undoubtedly been an outspoken globalist committed to the notion of centralised control and decision-making. Today he swore an oath to govern according to the law of this land of Britain, this sovereign nation of Britain. Promises matter. As I've already said, what matters most is not what a person says, what matters more is what a person does. Net zero, digital ID, CBDCs, social credit scores, surveillance societies, 15-minute cities. The policies pursued by all those unelected, unaccountable bodies, all of those are erosions of our freedom. It turns out building back better isn't better at all, not for the likes of you and me. I have no time at all for republicanism, by the way. Elected heads of state, which almost inevitably means ex-politicians, that way lies President Blair, President Johnson, President Starmer. The fundamental problem and threat of politicians as heads of state is that they are creatures of the politics from which they spring, like gargoyles on the walls of a cathedral. In an imperfect world populated by imperfect people, I would make the Hobson's choice of a constitutional monarchy every time. The point of a monarchy, of hereditary peers as well, is that they are, theoretically at least, invested in the long term. Governments come and go with their egos, petty point scoring and manifestos focused always on political expediency, the hope of winning the next election. But for good or ill, the upper house and the monarch are supposed to consider the impact 50 years from now, 100 years from now. Theoretically, they see to the planting of the trees that will provide the necessary shade for our great-grandchildren. Any government will, given the freedom to do so, draft legislation that will enable it to do whatever it wants. Any government will put itself in a position from which it cannot be challenged or removed. There's another question worth considering. Should a government have the power to do what it wants or not? If you think not, then it's worth looking again at what was attempted by that parliament of 1688, when the most ambitious clique in the land seized the opportunity to put itself above the monarch and therefore above all of us. Long ago, long before Magna Carta or any other written document, our ancestors understood that individual freedoms were paramount. The constitution that evolved here in Britain, making us a nation of sovereign individuals, reflected that ancient wisdom. Governments can seek to paper over it all they want, to tell us this or that part of the constitution has been superseded by an act of parliament. They can even pretend the constitution isn't there. They can distract us with marching bands, bunting and flags. But the fact remains, and today of all days it's worth remembering, if not shouting from the rooftops, we are free people. That much is inalienable and undeniable. If a coronation like today's is to mean anything at all, then it reaffirms that freedom and promises it will last forever. So I ask again, are we a constitutional monarchy in a way that means anything, or are we not? Are we a democracy? And having the vote every few years is not democracy in any meaningful sense. Or are we not? People will tell you we don't have a constitution here in Britain. In the US, people hold up their constitution like Captain America's shield. In the end, you might even say no constitution is required. In the end, it's about right and wrong, truth and lies, and we all know the difference. But our constitution does exist, and it carefully puts ultimate power beyond the reach of government or any other usurper. Our constitution enshrines ultimate power where it belongs, with the people. To anyone who says our constitution was superseded by the act of any government, I ask, do you accept a government can gather unto itself the power to do whatever it likes? If the answer is yes, then I say you accept despotism and tyranny. Here's the thing, I want someone somewhere to respect us enough to tell us the truth about Britain today. Then we'll know where we stand. 
Do the powers that be truly regard us as free people living in a sovereign nation, or do they not? Today of all days, it's not too much to ask. Wow. You know, um, I actually loved that. I think um, Leo Oliver is your modern-day John Locke, and you guys need <clears> to go <throat> back if you're Britain and read John Locke. Oh, wait, sorry, hang on. If you're British. There we go. Um, he put into words, because he is British, okay, or Scottish, I think, actually, but you get the point. He put into words about the monarchy what I could not because that's not it's not my nation it's not my my monarchy and I don't even really understand it but I know that there's something underlying there that is good about the monarchy I'm not saying as a whole and I'm certainly not talking about that specific that royal family there's something godly about it, there's something christian about it and what I loved that he said is he's like listen governments there's there's no futuristic perfect no there's there's no outlook on a government okay they're not really looking into the future you can talk about build back better but he says in theory whether that applies to this royal family or not but in theory behind a monarchy is a vision of the future because what do we th what do we think of when we look at the monarchy well we started with queen elizabeth well, we're automatically thinking of, of Charles, then we're thinking of William, and then we're thinking of the cute little boy that we're going to play here in a little bit. We're thinking about this futuristic line. And and so they have they do actually have a vested interest in having their nation go the way of of goodness. Because their their generations and their integrity and their character is on the line. Now, I, I as I was listening to Neil, and we're going to play some of the coronation and, and the pomp and, this, and all of that in, in a second here. But I literally felt the Lord speaking to me as I was listening to Neil. And you guys know, because we've been in, involved in our politics here in the United States over the past couple of years. And you've heard us say it a thousand times. That seats are demonically or heavenly held okay and it doesn't matter who sits in a seat if that seat is satanically held you could be the best person in the world but you will not, you will become corrupted so can i say this i think that there is something there that people in the past have claimed that seat for jesus and i knew as i got goosebump in my ear i knew as i was going to say that that there are going to be some of you that are watching that are going to be like Hold, like, no, you're wrong. That's not a word from God. But the very fact that I didn't even say it out loud and Leah got it too. Guys, don't shoot, don't shoot the messenger. What, what I think if you can look back and we're going to play a little bit of this. I believe Charles is an evil person. Yes. And I believe that that seat mm -mm -mm. being godly held come on restrains now. his evil. Oh, come on. And she said it. He is evil. I'm telling y'all something. You watch. That oath that he took just bound him. I believe that with every fiber of my being. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like, okay? But when he, when he had to say that oath, because that seat is held in the heavenlies, it is going to bind him from doing what the devil would lead every, his heart to do. Every nation should make their their rulers take oaths to god come on take oaths before god 
so that it restrains their evil. It doesn't mean that they it makes them good. It means it, it restrains their but evil. But let me tell you something, though. Sorry. When you sit in a seat that's demonically held, it does make you evil. It does. But when you sit in a seat that's heavenly held, it does not make you heavenly. No. It just makes... It just, it just restrains, restrains you. Listen, to, this is the oath she's talking about. I'm telling y'all something. Somebody I'm says he has much work to do if he is serious before God about this oath. Will you, to your power, cause law and justice in mercy to be executed in all your judgments? I will. So just as you look at this, this is, this is a, this is a church service. This is, this lady here, it's kind of, there's a meme going around. She held that sword up there for an hour. Somebody said, is there, a, is there a training for this? Like it's hard to hold your, they said that it's hard to hold your cell phone in that position for two minutes, much less a giant sword. Okay. So you're seeing mm -hmm. an anointing, you're seeing uh, cr crosses, you're seeing priests. Doesn't mean that this is God. I'm just telling you that somebody somewhere was trying to get to God along, and, the line. along the line. And that's why there is a, a line of God. Just look for God in this. You to the utmost of your power, maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel. Will you to the utmost? The true profession of the gospel. I would like every single president to have to say that. Will you maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel. He has to say this here. He has to make this oath. Most of your power maintain in the United Kingdom the Protestant reformed religion established by law. Will you maintain and preserve inviolably the settlement of the Church of England and the doctrine, worship, discipline and government thereof as by law established in England? And will you preserve unto the bishops and clergy of England and to the churches there committed to their charge all such rights and privileges as by law do or shall appertain to them or any of them? All this I promise to do. The things which I have here before promised, I will perform and keep. So help me God. Okay. Okay, now he's got to do it. He's got to do it. Now, here's the thing. I actually want to play a clip here from Colin and Robinson. Okay, I'm going to give you back. Um, and he is talking about the... Um, that's where I want. Where am I? Colin? Colin, I, Calvin, so Calvin Robinson is talking about what's happening to the conservatives. And he is saying... The conservative party is being destroyed from within because there are liberals within the conservative party. Now, a godly government where the leader swears allegiance to God and the gospel is a good thing. But you can have liberals or evil people within it that do not enact those things. And you have to be able to differentiate between the two. And I want to play this to kind of give you a visual. But do we believe in the party or do we believe in conservative principles? And if the party no longer believes in conservative principles, perhaps it does have to die so that it can rise again from the ashes with those principles. I think we've heard um, Nick's talk was very good, fantastic. But the left aren't necessarily the enemy. I think the enemy is within at the moment. I think the enemy is the liberals within the conservative party who seem to think... 
But it, it's so bad because they seem to think that they are conservatives. Uh, and they're not conservative in social issues. You know, we'll, we'll hear Penny Mordaunt say that trans women are women. And they're not conservative in social issues, uh, in financial issues either, because trustonomics didn't work. They didn't want a free market. What they wanted is higher taxation. What they wanted is serfdom. But do we believe in the party or do we believe in... So you notice, watch that the liberals do not like the monarchy. Okay? Now this is the, this is the story of the day. Like... Did she train for this? For how long? Could she move her, her arms afterwards? I'm not joking. Hold that pose with your phone for two minutes, and she held it for an hour. Yeah, that's insane. Now it does go around the neck, does it? Yeah, go back. If you oh. if you see it, it it, he, it, it rests in something. Okay, mm -hmm. like it holds something's holding the. Her mm -hmm. neck is holding the weight. Mm -hmm. She just kind of has to steady it, but still yeah. very difficult. Yeah, still very difficult. I don't think she would have been able to like hold the sword. All right, so here we have a rundown of what happened yesterday. In the making, a newly crowned king and queen greeted their subjects who, despite the rain, erupted in cheers and applause. The stage was set inside Westminster Abbey for a ceremony dating back to 1066, full of traditions with a modern twist. A VIP guest list of world leaders and foreign crowned princes were, for the first time, joined by community heroes who make a difference to people's lives an opportunity for them to mingle with TV royalty, as well as the real deal. Prince Harry, no robes or special uniforms, proudly displayed his military medals. No longer a working royal, he flew alone to attend his father's coronation. A fleeting hey, visit, on. no time Just for small talk carriage, with his man. brother. It's cool. Instead, flying back to California to attend his son's birthday celebrations. Hallelujah! Christ is risen! Led by the Archbishop of Canterbury, the ceremony was full of tradition, religion and service was at its heart. Whether they be thrones or dominions... Rishi Sunak, a practicing Hindu, gave a reading from the Bible as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Will you solemnly promise and swear... His Majesty was presented to the people and swore an oath to them. I solemnly promise so to do. The most holy part of the service, the king donned a simple white shirt. This was a moment between him and God. Screens shielded him as the Archbishop of Canterbury anointed King Charles with holy oil. This is Perhaps the climax of the service, the moment the monarch receives the royal regalia, the spurs, the sword of state, the super tunica. So when you're doing this, I want you to have a spiritual moment with God. God has made you a king. It says he has crowned them. He has crowned you. Oh, come on, I'm going to cry. He has given you a sword. Mm, mm, he has given you mm, a robe. Mm, 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 Do you see this whole ceremony is based upon the Bible? And we now reign as kings and priests. And you need to know the authority that you hold and that God did this same ceremony for you. Whoa. The orb, the sovereign's ring, a glove worn by his grandfather for his coronation, the sovereign's scepter with cross, the rod of equity and mercy, and St. Edward's crown.
pledge my loyalty to you. The Prince of Wales, heir to the throne, pledged his allegiance to the king with a kiss on his father's cheek. King Charles's consort, who's been by his side for decades, was crowned and anointed as Britain's queen. That's, that seems Their majesties retired to St Edward's Chapel. King Charles and Queen Camilla wore robes of estate to leave the abbey. Look at that carriage, man. The coronation procession saw the largest number of military personnel since Winston Churchill's funeral marched through central London. A small group of anti-monarchy protesters jeered in Trafalgar Square, but were mostly drowned out by royal fans. In the procession to Buckingham Palace, the Prince and Princess of Wales, along with their children, Prince George, Princess Charlotte and Prince Louis, waved as onlookers from the Australian state coach. The royal family, pages and ladies in attendance smiled and waved for the jubilant crowds. A scaled-back flypast roared over central London. Today, coronation celebrations continue across the country. The third Carolean era has well and truly begun. Cameron Walker, GB News. So let's think about this, okay? The, a coronation does not happen that often. Mm -mm. So we're, we're trying to somehow put our understanding of like a presidency into this, mm -hmm. okay? We get that every four years, man, all right? They, this does not happen that often. The only time that this kind of regalia usually comes out is for like a wedding, right? A royal wedding, which still isn't even as intense as this. And so, so as Queen Elizabeth was crowned in 1953. 1953. So it's been 70 years. Most of these people weren't alive. Almost all of them were not alive the first time. This never happened. Before. It's never yeah. happened to their country ever. Okay. So as I'm watching this, again, let's be very clear. I, I don't like the royal family. I, I, this one specifically, okay? There is pedophilia. There's a lot of cover-up. There's a lot of evil stuff. But here's what I keep thinking as I'm watching this, this go on. You see Rishi Sunak having to quote from the Bible. You could view this one of two ways. Yeah. It's completely blasphemous. It's evil. It's wrong. They shouldn't. Don't touch it. It's too holy. How dare you be involved in something so holy? You could view it that way. And I think that a lot of our viewers would be apt to want to view it. What I'm going to ask you to view it another way. What if God is making them rededicate their nation to him? Mm, come on. That's what I am what getting out God of this. Is what if God heard your prayers and is like, we're going to rededicate this land, even though the seat Whoa. is demonically held or, or the seat isn't demonically held. These people are demonically held individually. Yeah. And so what I would do is I would pray for Prince William's salvation, that he would come to know Jesus in a mighty powerful way. What about Prince Charles? And well, I mean, what about King Charles? You can, we, try, can, you, you, can try. you try to pray for that one? I don't know. I'm telling you guys, there is something here that is outside of how we would normally be covering this. Mm -hmm. And it's only being led by God. So we're going to play a couple more. We're not screen sharing yet. Videos so for you. The this, world. This is, I want you to listen to him um, recite this poem. And no, it's a little, no, we're not screen sharing. No. Go ahead. It's a little what? The poem. It's hard for me to, to watch him speak. Because but what if God like, is making these people say these things? Yeah. 
I think that that is in this instance, and I would normally be covering it the first way that I just mentioned. I think it's the second that God is making these people say this stuff. I am mm -hmm. telling you, I feel the power of God. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Why do men then now not wreck his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod, and all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil, and wears man's smudge and shares man's smell. The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. And for all this, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness, deep down things. And though the last lights off the black west went, oh, morning at the brown brink eastward springs, because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with, ah, bright wings. That is fascinating. That is, Leah and I got a chance, Leah had pulled it up and I was reading it with her, which made it <clears throat> a little bit easier to listen to. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. What did men then now not wreck? Why did men not now then wreck his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod. It's talking about the world. The world has gone on and gone on and gone on. How is it that we haven't gone up against God and just come to nothing? Because for all of this, nature is never spent. Even though we toil, even though we plant our seeds, even though our feet keep trotting along the earth, nature is never spent because the Holy Spirit is constantly hovering over this planet with his warm breast and, and bright, bright wings. wings and he takes care of us. Wow. He makes sure that we, that the sun rises upon us, the sun sets, he makes sure that the, the rain comes, he makes sure the clouds go away. How is it that mankind hasn't used up the earth because of the Holy Spirit, because God's grander in the world. That's a pretty powerful poem. All right. So uh, I want to read some comments because I want to hear from you guys as we're covering all this. We can give you what we think, what God's speaking to us. Um, so Salty Mama says, I feel it's deception. Jesus died. We never are worshiping men or our images. So Satan's uh, people celebrate worshiping men, king and queens like Jesus overturning the temple. We are the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. If only they worship, were worshiping Jesus instead of their king. Um, so I get what you're saying. And I know that there is an idolatry in the monarchy. That is, in my opinion, on the people, not the actual seat that is there. Or the ceremony that all or the ceremony to that is all pointing to Jesus Christ. 
The idea, like Neil Oliver was saying, is to point man's de decrepit humanity back to Jesus. In theory, the monarchy is intended to to represent the people in a more intense and intimate way than we have our representatives. Okay. And so I see what you're saying and that's what it has turned into and you're not wrong, but what I'm asking you guys to do today, and I know it's a big ask because we are so used to viewing this one listen, way. Can we listen to this real quick? Let me okay. finish my big okay. ask. Okay. Go ahead. The big ask is try to be sensitive to the the deeper, higher level of what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us rather than we are so used to looking at things as Christian conservatives in the movement that we're in and all this, that, and the other as where's the devil? Where's the devil? Where's the devil? I see the devil here. Why I see, we the... see where is God? Where's God? That's what I'm asking you guys to do today. And I get it's a big ask because we're not used to doing that. Find where God is in this, not where the devil is. Exactly. We're always busy looking for the devil instead of God. So King Charles made his coronation oath on the Holy Bible. There's God. Ding, ding, ding. Before being anointed um, with a sacred oil blessed in Jerusalem. There's God. In a service at ancient Westminster Abbey in London, there's God. And he says, God of compassion and mercy, whose son was sent not to be served, but to serve. Give grace that I may find in thy service perfect freedom, and in that freedom, knowledge of thy truth. Now, he just asked, that's, that's prayer. It's a supplication. Listen, if he didn't mean it, he didn't mean it, but he said it. And you know, the Pharisees were the religious <clears throat> leaders of the day. Yeah. Jesus said, do as they do, not as, or do as they say, not as they do. Come on. So we all, this is a perfect line. I will tell you, this is an absolute perfect line. And I will, I will pray this line. God of compassion and mercy, whose, whose son was sent not, not to, to be serve, served, but to serve. Give, give grace that I may find in thy service, perfect freedom. And in that freedom, knowledge of thy truth. So we're doing this to show you what it means. You're a king and a priest. You should you, be taking this oath. You are not here to, 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 to be served, but to you serve. are here to serve. Take all of this that they're doing and apply it to you as a king and a because priest. you and I have never, can, we can't envision what God has done and what God has made us. And this goes back to our revelation red pill. That is why this is important. That's why we're shining light on this. I believe King Charles is a very evil man. I believe they are all incredibly hypocritical, but the nature of it is, is God and we can learn from it and apply these things. The King was then as a priest would be anointed with holy oil, blessed in Jerusalem. God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? I want you to see the biblical parallels. Use this as just a visual, like a movie you would quote. Okay. And I want you to see yourself in King Charles' seat. I want you to see yourself anointed by God, anointed as a king, okay? Um, this was the only part of the coronation ceremony that was not viewed by the public. The most sacred part of the proceedings, it is said this moment was private between king, priest, and God. Alone. Then there was a presentation of ceremonial items, each representing a kingly virtue. Now, what are your kingly virtues? making allegory of the responsibilities of the monarch. You have a responsibility not to live for yourself, but to live for others. The sword represented, uh, presented the king, for instance, came with the words. We have the sword of the spirit. Now I want everybody to say this with me. With this sword, do justice. You don't have to say it out loud, but you get it. Stop the growth of iniquity. 
protect the holy church of god and you don't have to mean the english church you can mean and i mean the the the, the larger church the big church all of us and all people of goodwill help and defend widows and orphans restore the things that are gone to decay maintain the things that are restored punish and reform what is amiss mm. and confirm what is in good order come on that doing these things you may be glorious in all virtue and so faithfully serve our lord jesus christ in this life that you may reign forever with him in this life which is to come amen now i am not going to comment on king charles salvation but i will comment on your salvation and you need to be doing these things with the sword of the spirit the king was then crowned with symbolic height of the day, cross-shaped in plan and topped with a cross surmounting an orb. The crown is an ancient symbol of a Christian world. The Bible says that he has crowned us with the crowns, and when we get to heaven, we will take our crown off. We reign here as kings and priests, but when we get to heaven, we take our crown off and we put it at his feet. Because he's king of kings. The ceremonies of the coronation, a Christian service celebrating the new king after a decade of interval having passed from the death of, of the old and symbolizing the unity of the church and the crown. I don't think so, it's decade. Descent. Descent. Sorry. I don't, I don't know what that means. Descent. I don't know why they're Sorry. using that here, but it's a weird word. word. The descent interval. Um, I think it just uh, means a decent. A decent interval. Right. Okay. There Sorry. you go. Took place in the historic Westminster Abbey. Approaching a thousand years old, the church has hosted every coronation since uh, 1066. And the service featured several elements of remarkable antiquity. A lesson was read from a 6th century Bible. Wow. From somehow, somewhere in the 500s. So the king sat upon the coronation chair, which dates back to the year 1300. It's thought to be the oldest still used piece of furniture in the United Kingdom. Wow. All of this takes place upon the Cosmati pavement. A serious work of art in its own right laid down in 1268. The Abbey itself says, The complexity and subtlety of the design and workmanship can be seen nowhere else on this scale. Go ahead. In normal times, the floor cannot be walked upon by guests to the church at all, except on special tours where no shoes, only socks may be worn. Well, it's pretty old. This exceptional historical historic artifact wasn't even seen at all in the previous two coronations as it was covered with a carpet for protection. Wow. Wow, I'd like to see that. So, okay. and then he's got these... Um, this was, what was it, um, not justice and mercy, but... King Charles stands after being crowned during the coronation. But the, uh, the rods that he's holding there were um, something that was biblical too, but I already forgot it. King Charles rods. Yep. Where so it's it? interesting, you know, that all of the Christianity in this... I don't think that you can have the Christianity in this without, um, without it coming forth. Like, I don't think you can speak the name of God like this without welcoming the Holy Spirit. Britt Bozza probably has already said it in the chat, what it is. Um, so I want to get to, uh, some of the fun things, Leah, that you had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To this. So let me see what Br Britt Boz is over here on, uh, D live blowing up the chat. So, because he's our resident, uh, UK guy, let's uh, let me read some comments here. Let's see. The, this oath is why the Brits in the um, in the something of the British constitutional documentations voted to leave the EU, but we were dubbed back, dubbed thick and racist. Joining the EU as a political power effectively usurped the English law and the Constitution. Michelle, Scotland is part of Great Britain. I know that it is when I was talking about Neil Oliver, but I don't want to, I'm just saying, like, 
be more specific. Um, so yes, he is also British. Michelle, the oath that Charles took was actually based in Christian law and religion, but Charles has tried to include every religion which actually fights the Christian religion. These uh, swords are ancient swords, so are actually very heavy. These tools of monarchy date back to Charles II, some 400 years. The thing with the UK MPs is that they have tried to say we don't have a written constitution because it's not one document. Then they try to say that we have an unwritten constitution, but we don't. We have thousands of documents which are our written constitution, but MPs actually tell the people lies on this and try to ignore these written constitutional documentations to make laws on the statute book. But they have to be very careful not to direct break the British Bill of Rights of 1689. If they do, then our treason laws can still have the MPs beheaded as written into the British Bill of Rights. The carriage dates back to the 1700s when it was actually built, the one that looks like the Cinderella carriage, which was absolutely beautiful. It's built out of wood and has pure gold leaf gilded onto it. I wondered about that. Uh, the gold state carriage is only used for coronations. That means it's been sitting there for 70 years unused. I feel like you should roll that puppy out every once in a while. I'm just saying. The um, or the monarchy monarch's death. The monarch's oath is lifelong, meaning that only on death of the reigning monarch is this coronation oath taken by the new monarch. This whole ceremony is based in the chosen uh, monarch to take his or her oath. They are truly chosen by God to reign is their belief, which is how this whole nation is based. Uh, the King Charles also made an oath on the Stone of Destiny, which is steeped in history dating back before Christianity, but the Stone of Destiny is on loan from Scotland, but it was uh, utilized by the Christian religion for continuity of Christianity. The Stone of Destiny was uh, the under the old throne in the center of Westminster Abbey. Check out the Stone of Destiny that sits under the oldest throne in the nation. Uh, Brubaker says, did the queen get to wear the king's hat or did she have a female version of the crown? I think it's the same crown. Uh, let's see. The rods Charles is holding are the tools of monarchy. I know, but we just heard in the thing what they were. It was something I'll, like I'll justice. Okay, I'll, Leah's got it. it up. All yeah, right, so there's can... the comments from our UK. So you, if I just brought up this article, if you want to bring it up. Right there. So um, this, so you've got the, um, the, the scepter with the cross, okay, which was created for King Charles II's 1661 coronation, represents the sovereign's temporal power and is associated with good governance. It has been seen at every coronation since 1661. The scepter underwent a major alteration in 1910 under Edward VII when Cullinan the one with the when the Cullinan one diamond, a controversial crystal mine from South Africa that has come to represent British's violent legacy, was added. Actually, very interesting. So the scepter with the dove, also created in 1661, uh, it shares similar design as the sovereign's scepter. So here's the orb, the cross. I think, right, I'm just showing. You're reading that, but I'm at the orb right here. If you guys are looking at that. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to go do over the orb. Let me go. Let me finish this. We'll go back to the orb. The scepter is, or the, the the scepter with the dove, okay, is a gold rod separated into three sections by enameled and gem set collars. The specific scepter, known as the rod of equity and mercy, is That's meant it. to represent equity the and spiritual mercy. role of the sovereign. The dove represents the Holy Ghost or divine force, and um, we know what the Holy Spirit is. And then the orb is very interesting. Um. It is meant to represent the world, hmm. and um, the, mon the, the with a cross on top is meant to symbolize the Christian world, while the three sections divided by bejeweled bands symbolize the three known continents during the Middle era. So this era. picture is of the orb on Queen Elizabeth's coffin with her crown there. Yeah, so there you have that.
Okay, so let's go on to some of the funny stuff. You've got this little guy. Prince, Prince Louie. He had some moments today. It's kind of a tiara. It's, uh, yeah. It's their metal. Yeah. They're metal flowers. Yeah. So that's a tiara. Mm-hmm. In my humble opinion. But, so this um, this police this policeman in the puddle, um, one of these guys, he kept uh, one of these royal guards here, kept splashing the police guy the policeman next to him with the, with the puddle because he had to do this stomp every time. And watching the the face of the other other policeman trying to keep a straight face. Give the other guy I'm soaking wet. I'm watch it again. Ready? Here I stomp. Now you have to stomp too. Ready? That is really funny. All right. Do you have anything else um, from the fun stuff? I think, I think that's is it. Is that it? That's All it. Right. <clears throat> okay. So honestly, my takeaway from all of this is I... Envision yourself as a king. Come on. Envision yourself as a king or queen or whatever. I still say, you know, whatever it is that floats your boat. You and know. we need to recognize that we are designed by God as kings and priests to not bear our sword in justice, to not bear uh, our responsibilities, uh, to, to not, we have a responsibility to bear our sword in justice and to not bear it in vain. Yeah. We have robes of righteousness. We are kings and priests and, and we are here as God's representative on the earth. And so that's why we're doing the Revelation Red Pond Wednesdays. Because the kingdom of God is supposed to expand. Imagine if there was a King Charles in, you know, all over the world. It's called colonialism. Well, I guess God's a colonizer with Christianity. Yeah. All right. So from GPAT, lots of comments over here. And I get it. I totally get it. Uh, truth. But I'm not sure King Charles is, uh, the, the, the King Charles thing is legit. I And then they say, I like that. But who was the red hooded guy in the background? I just don't think the real Charles is alive. There's a lot of conspiracy. Listen. You can't fake that kind of, like, there's no reason for him to be dead at this point. He's got the sausage fingers. He doesn't look that healthy to me. I'm just saying, like, I don't, there's no reason to, to fake that. They could just go straight on to William and it would be fine. Uh, yes, but the Catholic Church claims to worship Jesus too, but they don't. I would say as a whole, you may be right, but Catholics, there are Catholics that definitely, definitely uh, worship Jesus. Um, perhaps they are rededicating the monarchy to God, but the devil is a copycat um, I appreciate this perspective. Food for thought. Uh, Queen Camilla doesn't sit right with me. And you know what? I will not say Queen Camilla. That woman is... What can I say on Facebook? Ho. Ho, 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 ho. Okay. Let's so, think about this. Can we... I've got to go... I, I have more stories. It I should, think our commentation... Our commentary no, is on this. I'm good to okay. go. It should be Diana. 
It should, it should be. It definitely should be. No, you're right about that. Um, but I wanted to show you guys, there is a pretty cool um, prime minister in the world that is defending the Christian faith and putting things on the line, even though he's not a king. And one of those guys is Victor Orban. So there was CPAC today, or this week, and I want to play... Hungary CPAC. Hungary, in Hungary. And I'll play a couple clips from that, and I'm going to play a clip of Victor Orban before that. Um, on, uh, and you can read, read, go ahead and read it because it, this isn't in English. Okie dokie. All right. Defending families and the pro-peace stance were among the highlighted topics at CPAC. Where yesterday you stated in your speech that the conservative recipe for success is saying no to migration, no to gender propaganda, and no to war. During one of our conversations in March, you specifically brought up these three topics, in which, as you put it, there seems to be an irreconcilable difference of opinion between Brussels and the Brussels bureaucrats in Hungary. Do these represent the main dividing lines now between conservatives and the Western mainstream? Well, to speak in concrete terms, today or tomorrow, an initiative will be published by nine countries. Led by Germany, of course. So there are some heavyweights in this group who will propose deviating from the order laid down in the European Union's founding document in the future. And that member states should not have the possibility to pursue an independent foreign policy. If the European Union makes this decision on foreign policy with a two-thirds majority, then no member state can opt out of it. This would mean the end of Hungary's independent foreign policy. Today, EU legislation guarantees that every country has the right to pursue its own foreign policy, and common foreign policy can only be established if there is full unanimity on the subject. This is what they want to abolish. This detail clearly shows what the game is about. Throughout the entire Western world, including the U.S. government, led by the Democratic Party, which is just as true for Brussels bureaucrats, they are trying to limit the autonomy, 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 jeez, I can read, autonomy, oh my gosh, competences, 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 and sovereignty of nations, and take as many issues away from them as possible so that they can bypass them. Today, they are also taking away the area of prosecutions. Jeez, going a little faster they speak than I fa No, they speak faster. Yeah, the European Public Prosecutor's Office, and then they want to have EU media regulation, or here is this particular case, in this particular case. Instead of unanimity in foreign policy, it could be a large. What did that just say? Thank you. The foreign policy of even the countries that disagree. This is the dividing line. We believe in a Europe of nations. The only remedy is to strengthen nation states, not just Hungary, but nation states in general. Nations are the foundation of Western culture, the basis of competitive advantage, of its competitive advantage. They are what made the West great. They are what the globalist forces, partly represented by the leaders and bureaucrats of international political institutions, and the global economic forces want to limit. 
For financiers and business people working on a global scale, it is beneficial if nation states are weak and unable to assert their own interests because then they can subordinate the legislation, rulemaking, and enforcement of nations to their personal financial interests. Nations, especially one of the size of Hungary, must be on alert, and if we do not want to be crushed, then we must stand up for the idea of a Europe of nations, and this is what we did. That's why our conservative friends were here. Those met in Budapest who, were, who are united by this idea and are ready to fight the political battle against the global elite and speculators. Boom. That makes our country an important place. The fact that Hungary, in fact, is an incubator where the conservative politics of the future are being experimented. Hungary is the place where they don't they didn't only talk about de defeating progressive liberals and didn't only talk about a conservative Christian political pivot, but they actually did it. It's one thing that makes our... So Tucker Carlson had a pre-recorded message to CPAC Hungary. Now listen, this was before he got fired. Greetings to CPAC Hungary and to all you Americans in the audience, you are very brave. You have wound it up on one of Samantha Power's lists. The State Department is keeping track. You went to a forbidden country. I wish I was there in Budapest. If I ever get fired and have some time and can leave, I will be there with you. But in the meantime, Godspeed. We are thinking of you and cheering you on. Yeah. They went in and played it. Yeah, that's awesome. Why not? Just because so it's here, in his studio. Victor Orban says... To the president today, there would not be any war in the Ukraine or in Sure, that if President Trump was the president today, there would not be any war in the Ukraine or in Europe. Mr. President, come back, make America great again, bring us peace again. I love that so much. And then we have a clip here uh, from Eva from the from the netherlands here she was there speaking on free speech right so um last question for all of you uh tim uh i think you said that you know free speech is uh much like a wave where we're in kind of a valley now but there are still hills to come uh and better times ahead uh, what do you think the steps are and i'm asking this to each of you what are th like three concrete straps, steps that should be done immediately uh, to help, uh, you know, increase the free speech uh, in the Western world. Three I, steps. Eva? Well, we have to understand that the, the battlefield is our mind. So we have to stop doing their work for them and not censor ourselves before they do it to us. So the one thing that I would say that we have to do in order to fight this is to keep saying the things that we know are true, but that we are afraid or nervous to say. If we already do the work for them by then shutting up and not saying what the truth is, then we've already lost. So just say those things that you're uncomfortable to say as long as you still can. Yeah. That's good. And speaking of that, the European Commission in Brussels has backed a scheme by the globalist government 
of Prime Minister Mark Root in the Netherlands. Uh, the, she, Eva there is known as the um, face of fighting for the farmers in the Netherlands. That would see thousands of farms shut down in order to comply with the EU climate goals. On Tuesday, the governing arm of the European Union officially threw its support behind plans by the Dutch government to buy thousands of farmers from to buy out thousands of farmers from their lands in order to meet the EU's Natura 2000 scheme to protect certain environments. The plan, which would offer farmers 120% of the value of their farm, could see some 3,000 so-called peak admitters of nitrogen shut down. Wow. It was unclear before this week whether the EU would permit such a scheme, as it could have potentially fallen afoul of regulations surrounding state aid for, or subsidies. However, Brussels said that the plans were necessary and appropriate. This is what they, they don't want you guys to eat real food. Mm. They want you to eat food manufactured in a lab. Okay. Now, in addition to the plan of, to the buyout or eventually force them out if they refuse, the peak emitting farms, the government is also planning a separate, a separate scheme that would give dairy, pig, and poultry farmers a deal of 100% of the value of their farm if they wish to shut down. This is insanity. In total, some 1.4 billion euros is expected to be set aside for this. Should the plan go ahead, it would not only be a major blow for farming in the Netherlands, which is one of the most productive in Europe, but it could potentially impact other nations as well. Given that part of the condition of the buyout scheme is that the Dutch farmers would be prohibited from moving to other countries and starting up farms abroad. What? What? We just want to shut down all farms growing food. This is... Now, listen. I'm a... Come on, wait, just wait a minute. Let me tell y'all something, okay? We just watched this coronation, and people may be like, oh, that's so satanic, the royal family, hey, da, 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 da. This is satanic. Ava says, this is how they do it. They put a knife to the farmer's throat. They make sure they don't get their licenses renewed. They're plaguing them with new rules and restrictions every day, and then they offer to bribe them, knowing that many will take it out of pure desperation. It's so wow. vile. I highly doubt that prohibiting them from starting elsewhere in the EU is even, even legal. The whole idea of the EU was supposed to be about freedom of movement and freedom of workers. This is next-level USSR stuff. The plan to shut down thousands of farms by no means a done deal, however, given that it would need to be managed mostly uh, at the provincial level. This may be complicated for the fledgling root government as the upstart tractor protest backing the farmer citizen mm, movement, mm, the BBB mm. party, not only became the single largest party in the Dutch Senate in March, but also one of the largest parties at the provincial level where many of the farms are located. The people wow. are fighting back. Wow. And we, uh, you guys are part of that by sharing the videos, by commenting. There have also been some cracks within Roots Coalition with the CDA party expressing doubt over the general nitrogen admission crackdowns following the surprise victory of the BBB party. So keep praying for the Netherlands. All right. Kelly and Eric say control the food, control the people. Bingo. I could not agree more. Um, James says victory is an example of a real leader. I truly believe he is a godly man. Amen. Amen. Speaking of free speech, and I'm just going to kind of go quickly go over a couple headlines. Uh, a French pe pe uh, pensioner, an elderly retired person, was sentenced to re-education after insulting Macron. 77-year-old man has been sentenced to re-education by a French court after reportedly disrespecting the country's president. The unnamed elder was convicted by the court of showing contempt. 
for President Macron. Unlike many other Western nations, it is an offense in France to show contempt for public officials with those who fail, fall afoul of the law and facing possibility, the possibility so of standing up to one year behind officials? bars and $15,000. Yeah, he says, Macron, well, we'll uh, p- piss you off. The banner reportedly read, possibly a reference to a vow made by the president himself last year when the president vowed to piss off unvaccinated members. That means just to tick off. We'll make you, we'll make you angry. That's so stupid. And he got sentenced to re-education camp for that. We're going we're gonna to tick you off. We're going to make you mad. Wow. That's insane. Holy cow. The court sentenced the man to be re-educated by attending a citizenship course at 77 years old. Re-education camps right there in Switzerland France. Switzerland is oh, trying no. to get children no. to eat bugs. Mm-mm. So companies in Switzerland are trying to train children to eat bugs. Rather than peddling delightful Swiss chocolate, some companies in Switzerland are actively attempting to try to convince children to munch down on bugs instead. Stop! They are young, more open to novelty. Uh, at some point, if not tomorrow, then later, they will include insects in their diet. No, not all don't. kids seem to be convinced with one student saying, I already eat enough insects when I go to Colombia, so I don't have to eat them here. In 2017, Switzerland became the first country in Europe to permit the, the sale of insects as food for people. No. Guys, this is scroll down, not there's a okay. insect burger. And can somebody explain it's to me? It's $9. Like, dollars. Get out. Wait a minute. Where, no, I'm going to hurl. Why do you need a cow or a pig when I'm you can just eat bleh. an insect? Bleh. And this is what bothers me, actually, because insect lives matter. Okay? So you have a problem with eating the beef cow because it harms the cow or whatever. Well, guess what? That little mealworm is important. Just as important as a cow. Not really, but you get what I'm saying. All right. So, uh, update on uh, what's going on in the Ukraine. So, Wagner is a... The Wagner Group, they're mercenaries used by Russia. Hmm. The, he goes online all the time and airs his grievance, grievances with Putin and how things are going. I don't know if this is a military strategy or whatever. He as in Zelensky. No. No. The chief of the Wagner Group. Oh, the chief of the Wagner Group. Okay. Yeah. So the chief of the Wagner Group says Moscow uh, must agree. uh, Oh, wait. Moscow has agreed to more arms after threats to quit. So he goes on Telegram and he says, thousands of our guys are dying because they're not giving us enough enough ammo. We're going to pull out of Bakhmut. And he says it on Telegram. This is the... is there any art Who of knew war? we fought war over Telegram? <laughs> exactly one week ago, Wagner chief, uh, y- y- Yevgeny mm-hmm. just Prijogin, with, How about just stick Prijogin, with Yevgeny? You got that First good. threatened that he and his men would withdraw from the strategic city of Bakhmut, where Russia appears close to victory, as it, enclosed nine, as it does have 90% of the city, if the Russian Ministry of Defense didn't supply all the arms needed. So I'm appealing to Sergei uh, Shugu, Shugu with respect to issue ammunition immediately. Now, if this is refused, I deem it necessary, necessary to inform the commander-in-chief about the existing problems and make a decision regarding the feasibility of continuing to station units in the settlements of Bakhmut. So, he set a withdrawal date of May 10th, and Russia has, uh, we are promised to be given ammunition and weapons as much as we need to continue further actions. Listen, it to me, it sounds incredibly reasonable. We're getting slaughtered here. If you don't give us any ammo, we leave in. So it's, it, it's actually, I think it's helpful for us all to watch these things unfold. Yeah. 
here me, is the wait. is the Wagner's um, Prigiosian. Um, he lost it. Is this Yevgeny? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hang on, wait, 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 wait. I gotta read this. I mean, I'm gonna try and read it as best I can. Blank. These they, are somebody's blanking fathers and somebody's sons. And those scum who are not giving us munitions, blank, will be in hell. Their organs blanking eaten. Derogatory term for homosexuals. We are short on munitions. 70%. He's calling out the people. Where are the blanking munitions? You know what? He sound, This sounds reasonable. I feel like that's the most reasonable, unreasonable statement I've ever heard. This is it's hilarious. Right? This is hilarious. Putting videos out there. Oh my God. And he's not wrong though. These are somebody's fathers, I somebody's know. sons, somebody's brothers. But what is really happening? What? I don't know. Yeah. There's there's a situation question. near the Zaporizhia nuclear plant that has gone from bad to worse as entire residential districts in the vicinity of the facility are being evacuated by Russian authorities. This includes at least 18 settlements of the Zaporizhia region. The BBC good. has cited as Ukraine official a Ukrainian official is saying this has sparked a mad panic. Um, also, given the UN's nuclear watchdog is warning that a severe nuclear accident could occur, hours-long waits and traffic jams have been reported. You can scroll down and see a video of that. So this is a huge traffic line from temporarily Russian occupied. People are just standing outside of their cars in this traffic jam. That's wow. Then uh, I want to play. I have a couple from Christine Anderson, but I just can play one. Christine Anderson is a uh, conservative politician in Germany. She's amazing, and she calls out Ur Ursula von der Leyen's crooked ten vaccines per person deal. Because all of the companies, because they uh, her husband, by the way, is sitting on various boards in these companies and benefited directly from buying 10 vaccines per person. Wow, is she speaking English or? I think you might have to read it. No longer have to negotiate with 27 different states. It's just this one entity and Ursula von der Leyen, she is such a brilliant negotiator, isn't, isn't she? I mean, you know, securing uh, how many 4.6 billion doses uh, of these mRNA shots, which her husband, by the way, sitting on various uh, boards uh, in these companies, benefited directly from. Seriously, that's what we consider democracy now. Interesting. Oh, that's good. Yeah, she's she's good. Thank God for for her. You had another and, from her. Uh, you can try to listen to her. Actually, oh, I all of us. That's what they were trying to do. And uh, my number, or my favorite <coughs> unscrupulous WEF puppet <coughs> is probably Justin Trudeau. And he pointed, um, they're just a small French minority having unacceptable views of that. It's a no-go. Well, I will have you know, I'm a proud member of that small French minority. <laughs> what were they actually doing? Well, they were instilling a sense 
isolating people. And I'm particularly grateful that uh, Mr. Christoph uh, pointed that out in, in his presentation because that was part of the game. They wanted to isolate us because isolated people, it's called gaslighting triangulation, which is actually psychological abuse. They subjected us to a state of psychological warfare. That's what we had to deal with. But you know what, looking at all of you, they did not succeed. Because globally, the networking began. And I'm so grateful and I feel so blessed to see so many people that I have had the pleasure to meet personally in these past two years. Thanks again for coming because we- Awesome. Awesome. She's so good. She's one of the more fiery voices there in the EU. All right. Lastly, lastly, um, from um, Pepe Escobar. The de-dollarization is heading for a breakthrough due to rising global discontent with the U.S. casino, casino capitalism. Have we reached the peak yet? It's a gigantic snowball all over the world and we cannot keep up with it, says Pepe uh, Escobar in an interview with New Rules Podcast. <clears throat> it's very important what is going to be discussed at the BRICS Summit in South Africa. This will probably be the crossroads moments where things are going to then go. Escobar explained that a growing number of countries in the global south are doing the math and concluding that the U.S. dollar was not a safe bet anymore. The combination of aggressive U.S. sanctions policy and reckless government spending have dramatically re reduced the greenback's international appeal. If you want to analyze the patterns of these past two decades, you need to understand that the fact that if you are rich in commodities and if you are a productive capitalist nation and you decide to issue a currency, it will be internationally respected because people will know it's based on facts, actual province, actual wealth. So commodities that back something, whether I'm guessing wheat or, mm -hmm. or corn. Yeah. Uh, he said that's contrary to the system that we have now, which I have been calling it a casino capitalism for years. It's futures, it's bets, it's uh, suppositions. It may go right or wrong. If you lose, you lose it all. The house mostly always wins because the house is the one that prints the currency. It's backed by nothing, literally, by a country that owes 30, 30 trillion in national debt now and will never, never, never repay it. That what to make matters even worse, the U.S. Federal Reserve's aggressive interest interest rate hikes have made borrowing in dollars expensive for almost everywhere in the world. Prior to the Fed's move, Kristalina Georgieva, uh, managing director of the International Monetary Fund, warned last year in January 2022 that the U.S. raising interest rates could backfire on the global economy, especially countries with higher values of dollar-denominated debt. The ongoing U.S. banking crisis threatens to further destabilize international finance, financial markets. No country in the world wants to catch a cold when, when the U.S. economy sneezes as memories of the 2008 financial crisis linger. They say, look, why do we have to be subjected to this kind of arrangement? And of course, before, as we all know, it was the empire of bases over 800 military bases around the world. Wow. The power of the financial markets, the power of soft culture, the power of cancel culture. But the global South is not intimidated anymore. I think this is the first time in this new millennium we have never had this before in the past two and a half centuries at least. 
Uh, BRICS seeking to establish a new currency. In January 2023, the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, Indiana, China, India, India, China, and South Africa made a splash by announcing that it may soon explore the possibility of creating its own currency to bypass the U.S. dollar. The idea was articulated on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, on the one side of the pond, you have um, Brazil's Lula discuss the issue of the creation of a common currency for BRICS. Very interesting today that he came out in support of Julian Assange in talking about the coronation of King Charles. Well, interesting. Why can't an institution like the BRICS bank have a currency to finance trade relationships between all these nations? According to Escobar, the formation and development of three organizations, namely the BRICS, the Shanghai Corporation Organization, and the Eurasian Economic Union, predetermined the end of the greenback-centered world order. BRICS members are now discussing designing an alternative currency. Why, the de- why is de-dollaration getting, getting steam? It's been discussed for decades. For in- you know, we can discuss that. But why is it de- gaining steam now? Escobar believes that nothing short of a breakthrough in, in the, uh, it says, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. So, <clears throat> the world, Mik- Mikhail Kazin, a Russian economist and publicist who served the Working Center of Economic Reforms under Boris Yeltsin in 1990s, and his co-author, um, predicted the demise of the U.S. dollar roughly t- 20 years ago in their book, The Decline of the Dollar Empire and the End of Pax Americana. We can even establish a date for it, says Escobar, February last year. With that freezing, confiscation, stealing of Russian foreign reserves, and the global South as practically as a whole started asking themselves from Latin America to South America to Southeast Asia, if they can do this with nuclear with a nuclear superpower, can they do it with any of us by snapping a finger? So that's why the coordination inside these multilateral organizations and in other forms picked up astronomic speed. To illustrate his point, the journalist referred to the swift development of BRICS, with a staggering 19 countries currently on the list to join the organization. Iran, Argentina, Algeria, the UAE. Egypt, Turkey, Indonesia. So these all have strong middle-ranked powers from anywhere, and they're going to start discussing the now-notorious BRICS alternative currency. It's possible it's a feasible scenario. Until a few months ago, this would have been an ultra far-fetched scenario. We are going to be teaching a class this week at Old School Star Boot Camp on constitutional money. You guys are not, you can't fathom Mm-mm. money that is supposed to be a commodity as well. Your paper dollar, if it cannot do something, then. It's not real money. Real money has a dual purpose. So the reason we use gold and silver is because it's easy to transport. It lasts a long time. It has, it's not going to rot like wheat. Okay. It's universally recognized as something that is valuable. And has a fixed value. You can fix the value and... It has a use in the world. Gold and silver are used. It's a commodity. So previously, when people wanted to, let's say you want to exchange something. Let's say there's a, there's a bread maker and he has bread and he needs a pair of shoes. But the shoemaker has a wife that makes bread and he doesn't need the bread maker's bread. Okay. Let's say the hog farmer needs a pair of shoes, 
But the shoemaker has hogs. But the shoemaker... Wait, where am I going? I lost you at Hogs and Shoemaker. But I think they know what you're getting at. You know what I mean. We, we get it. Do the, you, you, but the hog farmer... Wait, no, no. No, the shoemaker... What? We the, could put this in modern terms. Because so, there aren't any shoemakers today, Leah. Wait, wait. I got this. I got this. One, you... You need a middleman. That's all you need to so say. The shoemaker. It's so simple. You need a medium of exchange. Wait, I know what it is. You don't want the product that your neighbor has, but you want to make a transaction. But the shoemaker them. wants bacon. Oh my gosh! But the the pig farmer doesn't need shoes either. But the pig farmer needs bread. First of all, everybody needs shoes. Everybody needs bacon. So and everybody. So needs the bread. shoemaker gets bread from the bread maker. Here it comes. To give to the hog farmer so that he can have bacon. Wow. And then, so hey, you cut out the middleman with money. That's why you need money. That's why money is a means of exchange. No, the money is the middleman. Oh, I get what you're saying. You cut out this whole like, hey, I have something that you need, but you don't need it. Right. No, I have something you need, but I, you don't have anything that I need. Right. But so-and-so has something that I need, mm -hmm. but you don't need. Yep. Okay. Who's on first? <laughs> What's on second? Okay. So what's happening here since 1900, <clears throat> basically, <clears throat> but uh, in 1913, we actually had a gold standard in 1900. Did you know that the, the golden era of really good sound Monday was the late 1800s up until 1913? Everybody was doing great in America, the, no inflation, the dollar was a dollar and we're all good. And, but the bankers were getting ready to be regulated by the government and they got together at the, you know, it's called the creature Jekyll Isle, Jekyll Isle off the coast of South Carolina, I believe. And they came up with an idea that made it even worse that we could just print all kinds of money. And so world war one would never have been able to be financed if we were stuck on if I can only pay you and I've got six tons of wheat and you, we can only buy things with wheat and I run out, I run out. That's what happens with gold and silver. If you run out, you run out. You will never run out. Here's the thing. Even if you run out of paper, now that it's on computer, you'll never run out of zeros and exactly. you can't fathom that. And everybody says we can't go back to the gold standard. Well, we we're going to have to. We have to. Let me read a couple of comments here. Uh, Johanna says, uh, I've worked at a shoe factory, LOL. Um, be it, it was in the back in the early 2000s, LOL. It was a tiny factory too. Uh, there's a conversation going on over on DLive about, um, Stefan says in the Bible, it says you shouldn't eat bugs. Brubaker says, where shouldn't you eat bugs? Ken says the Bible actually states we may eat certain insects, but not all. Mizzo says shoes want to eat and the farmer wants shoes. Britt Baza says, Michelle, the oldest form of financial agreement in the is the old barter system where people swap items, but gold and silver will buy items not required at that particular time. That's what Leah was getting at here, but she was also saying that you would go around in circles if you didn't have gold and silver. Uh, Deuteronomy 14, Eric and Kelly says, clean and unclean animals. Mizzo says, what are you staring at each other staring at each other for? They have food in Egypt. Go get us something to eat before we starve. Leviticus 11. Um, so I love the conversation going on over there with you guys and the bugs. I just say, don't eat the bugs. I think actually, um, you know, when it talks about 
John the Baptist eating locusts and honey. Um, people have a theory that that was actually the locust tree. There was a locust tree that was kind of, it carob produced tree. a carob powder there. Um, and he would not have eaten locusts because it was a plague. No. And it would have been unclean. I know, but some people have come out and said that he could have. So it goes back I know, it does. So that's what I'm saying. It's all a conversation there. Um, Mark Pierce, off to Georgia. All right, we'll have fun there. Um, all right, bugs my butt, says James. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think that's it. What's happening in the Netherlands is just plain evil and a move towards having more control over the people. Macron is nothing but a little dictator. Good comments over there. All right, you guys, we're going to sign off. And we're actually going to say sayonara, Japanese, We have for some a while. for you guys to look forward to. So Friday, this is going to be a great week. <laughs> we have LW, Liberty Warrior Nation, is going to fill in on our six, Saturday 6 o'clock show. There's not going to be an after, our Friday uh, 6 o'clock show. On Brighteon.tv. On there won't be an after show because we'll be at Old School Servo Boot Camp, but we'll probably be doing videos that will be uploaded. So check out the Rumble channel. Um, Patriot Gallery will be on top of and that. And check that out. So, but if you still want to join us at Old School Survival, Survival Boot Camp, you can. Um, Old School Survival Boot Camp.com. Use promo code RCHICKS15. There's still time to come. We want to see you guys there. There won't be a Sunday show because we will be gone. Yes. But if you watch our Brighteon um, Christian show at 5 p.m. At 5 p.m. on Sundays. We're going to have a guest. TV. Um, Tom Marchesani. He's going to do an American Heritage series episode for us. So we're very excited. We've got some special guests for you guys. This is the kind of first time we've had some some um, some fill-in hosts. And I think it's going to shake things up and give you guys a little a different face to look at. And on Wednesday night, even though we won't be gone, we will be preparing heavily and packing for a four days away camping and these classes. So Wednesday night for Revelation Red Pill is a go. It is on. It's going to happen. Serge DeRosa and Corey Gray and Jason Heidinger are going to take you guys through Matthew to finishing Matthew 25 and Matthew 26. It's going to be a phenomenal show. It will be live they streamed. They are really excited. To Resistance Chicks Rumble. And it'll be everywhere where we normally do it because I'm going to live stream it right here from the basement. Our faces just won't be here. They're going to do a phenomenal job. So we have three guest hosts happening this week, which we are really, really excited about. We've never done that before. And you guys can let us know what you think and maybe we'll do it a little bit more often. Mark Pierce says, no, Jekyll Island off of Georgia. Georgia. Thank I'm you. Sorry. Mark. Thank you, Mark. You're awesome. I thought maybe you're off to Georgia. I was like, oh, cool. That sounds fun. Okay. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth, we love you. God loves you. God bless. And also, last but not least, I told you guys on Friday, sign up for Frank Social. Go and um, subscribe or do some sort of sponsor thing on our on our channel there on Resistance Chicks on Frank Social to show Mike Lindell that their program that the head of Frank Social is trying to launch here, Renee, she asked me personally to ask you guys personally to uh, do a $5 a month sponsorship of Resistance Chicks because Mike doesn't think it's going to be anything, that people won't want to use that instead of PayPal. I'm like, of course they're going to want to, because 10% of what you donate there, so instead of it being $5, it'll be $4.50 goes to us, and $0.50 cents goes to Mike Lindell's legal offense fund, which is also, really cool. It's way better than PayPal. Viewer, send us a globe. All around the world. So that we were supposed to open it on air, and we missed opening it on I air, know. but it's a way better globe than we had a little one. I don't know what happened to it that he sent. Um... And uh, that's from Economic Democracy there. So now when we are confused, which happens frequently here on Resistance Chicks, yeah. about where something is in the world, we can just reach over, right? Grab the globe, and we got it. We're good to go, which is yeah. what this whole show is about. Also, last but not least, when we're talking about uh, the, the, the dollar... Really like this, it's, I just feel like I want to turn up 
like yeah, this. it definitely sits that way, Leah. It's that's really annoying. Point. That's God put the. It's in the Bible I know, about but God when you're putting doing, the earth on its axis. I'm looking at it. It's hard. I know, but it it's it is what it is. Okay. All right. Anyway, when we talk about the dollar losing its value, as Leah was speaking, I'm just like everything in me was just like, guys, please. Oh, ITM. Call ITM one eight six six nine five zero seven 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 six. Get out of your IRA, get out of your 401k, get out of your savings in dollar bills, get out of your retirement and get into gold and silver or anything that's if tangible. you don't hold All it, these, you don't own it. Give them a call. It's a free strategy call. You just call, talk to them, say, resistance chick sent me. I've got this going on. When Can you help me? When get back to gold and silver, you'll be on top and ready to roll. That's right. Um, all right. We love you guys. God loves you. God bless. And we will see you. When we see you, I don't know when that's going to be. We'll see you. We'll see you. But you guys. Check out a website. Check out Rumble. But guys, get go on the Rumble app. Get notifications. Hopefully, when we do videos live on Facebook, then um, we can, then mom will upload them maybe well, live. What, she, uh, what Patriot Gallery will do, and I know she'll do this. She will make one page for Old School Survival Boot Camp. And as we do videos and send them to her, she will upload them to that specific page on resistancechicks.com. So all the updates. um, Jay uh, Michael says, I have an appointment with ITM on Monday. Oh, come on and get it. She's got a bad back. She does. She just likes to be held. She loves to be held, but it's hard. It hurts to be held. Sometimes love hurts, doesn't it? You little sweet pumpkin. That's Uh awesome. I would love to see... um, how that turns out. Let me know. Yeah. Tell us how, how it turns out. All right. We love you guys. And we'll see you next time. Not sure when that's going to be, but uh, for sure tune in because show our guest host some love, mm-hmm. help them out in the chat. They'll be there monitoring and watching and let them know that um, even though Lee and I aren't there and don't, don't like them better than us, but you might, we'll see. All right, you guys, we'll see you next time. Take care. God bless. Awesome. I was called.